Guess what? We are in season seven of the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Rosalie, and I really like Crave Jerky pink flavor. Also, it's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos, no need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos, yum, 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 and yum. It's like a dream. Also, we couldn't do this without our sponsors, Wahoo Fitness, After Sea Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. Welcome back. It's 2019. How are you? Alyssa, happy new year. I'm great. I really do want to hear what you did on your, I guess, well, break from podcasting. I don't think you took a break from exercise though, just judging off of your social media. I haven't really been taking too much of a break. So after the long trail this in the summer, I took some time off. I had like plenty of downtime about two months or so of really just kind of laying low, letting myself recover and kind of get rejuvenated. And so I just wasn't quite ready to take another break after racing Indian Wells again. Like I, it just felt too soon. I felt like things were kind of coming together. So I wanted to just keep the ball rolling and try and figure things out from there. And I'm sure that's kind of the benefit for sure of being able to have a more flexible race season and being able to register for races a little later than I would have had to plan things out as an amateur and stuff is that my season is more fluid. So I can kind of take breaks here and there and I don't necessarily need to take a big chunk during the normal quote off season time. So I've just been going with what I've been liking to do and that has been riding my gravel bike I have a specialized gravel bike and I love riding that in the winter. I think it's super fun. It's a great way to like build some bike fitness and stay off of the super trafficy roads. And then I have also just been running a lot because surprisingly my running has come back since the long trail and my legs are feeling good. So for me, that actually means running really a lot. And I actually ran a 50 K yesterday and Haley in the world of ultra running, they have these fat ass events. So they're called like fat ass 50 K's. And that just means there's like no frills. You come, you it's free, but they usually ask for a donation to cover like the cost of having a porta potty there or like letting cars into the state park or wherever that you are. And then you bring a donation for the aid stations and then they just like send those out with the volunteers for you. So you have a hodgepodge of food ready for you. They usually provide some water, but there's really, there's no award. Sometimes they don't even time them. This one was timed, but it's super fun. And it's a great way if you want to do like a long run or something like that, you have a hundred friends to do it with. What could be better than that? 
casual 50K. What did you do yesterday? I just ran a 50K. I've never said that in my entire life. So um, <laughs> congratulations, fat ass race or not. I think that sounds amazing. I, I didn't run a 50K yesterday or any day. <laughs> so you've had like the opposite end of the spectrum, right? You have had a proper off season break. And so what does that look like for Haley Chura? I did. So after Indian Wells, which was in the beginning of December, I actually continued training a little bit for about two weeks, um, just light training, which is something my coach and I like to do. Just, I think it helps me stay healthy. And during that time I did have some like things, you know, I had some travel and stuff and just, I don't consider that real rest. So after I kind of got through that, I actually took two weeks, like uh, pretty much completely off, almost completely off from exercise. And that coincided with the Christmas holiday and New Year's holiday, which was very convenient just for life. And, and I did, I was active during that time. So when, when I say active, I did a lot of walking, which I think walking might be my favorite sport, <laughs> my favorite activity, especially if I get to walk with cowboy, my, uh, my dog slash my parents' dog that I steal for long periods of time. And it hasn't been too cold here in Bozeman. So it's been really nice to get out and do some of that walking. I did break my lack of exercise streak and swam 100 100s for new year's eve which is quite the departure from lack of exercise and i was actually kind of nervous because i hadn't been training very much if i could even do that or if that was actually safe or sane thing to do but it was fun i actually had a really good time that was the first time i've ever swum 100 100s and but you've done longer than 10k swims before I have Just that not in that Dynamo okay. in Atlanta. We yes. did crazy things. We did up to 15 K, but I had never done it broken as 100 by 100 with that many stops. And to be honest, I thought I was going to hate it because to me, that's just a lot of stopping. And I just am more of a person who would like to just like knock out 3000 and then like do some 500s and, you know, just kind of keep swimming. But it was super fun. Like, I think it made it a lot more fun. You got to be more social. There were more, you know, times that you could have snacks and I can see now why people like doing it that way. It's all about the snacks. But if you ever swim 100 100s with me that you know that I will start getting on your case about the faffing around if the snack breaks go too long because it can get a little lengthy otherwise if people like you might extend. hate swimming it with yeah. me then <laughs> you might hate swimming with me or doing any exercise with me at any time good thing the only thing we really do together is talk so I don't get in trouble for talking too much <laughs> but no that's fun that's funny that you had never broken it up that way well congratulations on officially being in the 100 by 100 club that's a, a great achievement Thank you. And I did a lot of sleeping. I will say the winter, the Northern hemisphere winter is a great time to sleep. It is cold. It is dark and it's, you know, fantastic for sleeping. And I read a few books, so it was a really great break. And I cleaned so much. Like it was, it was just wonderful. And I am ready. Today was actually day one of uh, me being back on a plan and it is good to be back. Like I miss being fit. So I'm, ha I'm headed in the right direction right now. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about the the journey back to you feeling fit, even though I think you're still probably fitter than most of the population out there. So we'll follow along eagerly with that. And Haley, we did get a mailbag question while we were away. Are you ready for this? I am. Let's go. So to a reminder, remind our listeners, we take mailbag questions. So if you have any questions that you would like Haley and I to answer, you can send them to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and we will give you our best answers. So we had one come in from Kate and she actually small world. She swam at Princeton and was coached by Susan Teeter. And so that was, she was mentioned by Samantha Livingstone who was on our December episode 
um, of the podcast. So that's cool. Smart, small little world. And very famous coach there, right? Cause Sam was saying she, you know, was a coach at Stan or Princeton. Oh, that was a big mistake. Princeton for something like 40 years. And now she's heading up, uh, like a coaching female coaching mentorship. So very cool. Go tigers. And so Kate says that after college, she started running and is now midlife with a career and three small children. And she's trying to become a triathlete. She has struggled with biking. She actually broke her elbow the first time I tried to clip in. And Kate, when I heard this, my heart just went out to you because I think we've all either been there or definitely watched people like our friends just fall over as they're trying to learn to clip in. And it's those falls, I swear, are always the worst ones. So hopefully you're healed up from that and like ready to take on the world now. But she says she's still pretty nervous to ride on the roads. And she recently got a Wahoo Smart Trainer, Haley. So she is just going to stick to indoors for a bit and wants to know what we do for trainer workouts or if there are any apps that we recommend for training. So Haley, do you want to go first? Sure, because I love indoor riding. I barely ever ride outdoors. And it's not just because of the weather. (laughs) Um, I love indoor training too, Kate. And I've been hurt on the bike and it is safer. And it's also more time efficient. And I actually too have a Wahoo trainer. And while I have not spent much time on it recently, um, and I've used other trainers in the past, like I pretty much either if I'm doing a very hard workout, I listen only to music. And if I'm doing a very easy workout, I watch Netflix. So I haven't used a bunch of different apps. I've never really, I've used Zwift once, but to be honest, it was a little bit too much training stimuli for me. I think some of my athletes I coach, I know that they love it. So it's probably something that you should try. I think they do offer like a free trial, try it out. And if you like it, I mean, it kind of simulates that group ride and you get to do different courses and, um, some people love it. So if, if that's your thing, my workouts are more, they're written by my coach and they are pretty specific and I don't get bored. I mean, I'm pretty much changing up everything every couple minutes and it takes all my concentration just to follow the workout that there's no chance for me to get bored. So hiring a coach might be a good, a good alternative as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you, Haley. I, uh, I tried Zwift once and then it confused me and made me very, very nervous. So I have not tried that again since, but I know a lot of people use trainer road and that allows you to like build your workouts in that and then use them on the kicker. But I think the kicker app is also just quite nice itself. It's like super simple. And then if you did have a workout in mind that you were going to do or, um, just wanted to control it manually, that works like really well. If you want to just watch Netflix or have music on or something like that, I, I think I'm going to need something new to watch this year, actually, Haley, because I finally finished the like 17,000 seasons of Gilmore Girls that took me three years to get through. So I've graduated from that and I'm moving on, which is crazy. But that had been my jam on the trainer for years, literally. Wow. I can't believe you can follow the dialogue in that show because that I've tried that one and it was like, I need to be sitting on the couch, like not doing anything else to follow Gilmore girls and friends. I tried that one as well. And I laughed too hard. Like even in, even in easy rides. And like, I was like, I can't do this. I have to do like, I don't know, just something that's not too intense. I like, have you ever watched the 100 on <laughs> no. Netflix? No. Try that one. It's like, it's like a ripoff, like a CW ripoff of Game of Thrones, but like nothing really happens that fast. So it's a good trainer one. You can like zone out and it's like, oh, okay. It's kind of like a soap opera in okay. that respect. It's a, so it's a, it's a show. 
Yeah, it's a okay. show. I also, I'll, I'm a big fan of like the really, really bad rom-coms on the trainer and stuff or like just the like teenager-ish like movie, like the the one on Netflix to all the boys I've loved before or something. Have you watched that? Well, that's a I think movie. it went yeah. viral. Oh, right? really? Yeah. It was like a big, I think they're making a sequel or something, but anyway, but like that's a good train. Anyway, I digress. Sorry, Kate. I also um, like movies I've seen before. Then I don't yeah, have to pay that's attention. True. I'm not a good, I don't pay much attention. It has to be things that are pretty light. But I was going to say, Alyssa, we were talking about this earlier. We actually use trainers like in completely different modes, right? Yeah. So I am a big fan of just using kind of like the manual resistance mode or like I think with Wahoo, it's called like level you can do. And so then it's just like a fluid trainer or the resistance. And then it's just the resistance that you either add like as if it's an incline or um, you're just using your bike gears to like add the resistance to. So like very, very simple manual type of modes is like how I prefer to do it because I always feel like plugging in the numbers and trying to hit them is a little bit cheating is how I feel. But And I'm a cheater. <laughs> no, I am. Um... <laughs> I like the ERG mode or ERG mode where you do, you plug in a number and that's what you try to hold. That is how I probably do 100% of my rides. Unless I was trying to do a max effort kind of thing, then I would probably do it in the manual mode. But I love hold, I love it when I just can zone out a little bit. And there's plenty of times I fail. I don't feel like a cheater at all. And you know what it is though, Haley? I think I actually have figured it out is that my Kate, I naturally cycle at a very low cadence. And so when you're in that erg mode, if you like, if your cadence drops below 75 ish, then it, it like thinks you're slowing down too much and it will input the resistance, but it doesn't like, I can't tell it. Oh no. My like race cadence is always between 70 and 75. Like that's totally normal for me, you know? So I think that's my, or that's what I always claim is my issue. And then I just put it in my manual modes. That's super interesting. Um, well, hopefully that gave Kate a little bit of an idea of the different ways you can use a trainer. And we are big thankful to our, um, our partners at Wahoo for their support of our podcast. So we're super happy that you are on a Wahoo kicker. And Kate, if you do have follow-up questions, write us back and let us know, um, if we didn't fully answer your question or if you have any more Wahoo specific questions and we will get you the answer. And Haley, so we are starting off 2019 with a pretty heavy hitter in the interview. If I do say so myself. Yeah, this week we are interviewing Annie Haug, who is a German athlete, and you might recognize her name as the third place finisher at both 70.3 Worlds and the Ironman World Championship in Kona this year. And it was kind of her first full season of non-draft long course racing. So it's incredible. Obviously, Annie has a huge background in ITU. She was 11th in the London Olympics, 36th in Rio. After Rio, she decided to run a marathon, did incredibly well, was worried about her swim in ITU and decided to give 70.3s a try and wins her first 70.3 in Lanzarote in 2017, beating Lucy Charles by eight minutes. And that was, of course, Lucy was prepping for her second place finish at Kona. So I don't think Lucy was shaved and tapered for that one, but still an incredible debut performance went on to win Dubai in 2018. And of course her world championship podiums. So we are excited to hear more from Annie about her incredible season and what she has planned for 2019. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. 
Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including Kicker Smart Trainers, Element Bike Computers, and Ticker Heart Rate Monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so we're recording this episode mid-December, just before the holidays, and I believe you just returned home to Germany after a training camp in Lanzarote. So a December training camp seems a little unusual given that most Northern Hemisphere athletes are enjoying the off-season right now. Can you tell us a little bit about the purpose of the camp, and does this mean we're going to see you on some early start lines in 2019? I think I started very late in season. Normally, I mean, summer athletes are made in winter time. So it's, yeah, we normally start in November time. But due to the fact that Hawaii was a little bit late in season, so I had two weeks completely off after Hawaii. And then I start a little bit at back home in training. But due to the fact that Germany is pretty cold and it's <laughs> sometimes snows, it was very handy to go to the Canary Island and have a little bit like basic uh, training into my legs. And yeah, I mean, I, I plan to start an early season in 1st of February. I want to start Dubai like I did last year. So I need a few trainings case in my legs, to be honest. And so just, I, I just want to have you say that one more time for our listeners. I know a lot of people don't like taking time off. And so third in Coda, and then you did, you took two weeks completely off after that to give yourself a bit of a break and a reset. Um, yes, I did. But unfortunately, I twisted my ankle in that time because I tried to run at one stage. So I had to recover from a twisted ankle and I still suffer a bit from that. But I mean, yeah, you need a break after that, especially it's not, not just the physical break, it's the mental break as well, because my season was like one and a half years because I was injured in 2016 to 2017. So I, I trained for one and a half years and I definitely needed a break after that. So so I think it's good for, for the body as well as for the um, mentally side to have a completely break and go home, have a chat with family, meet some friends, and then start with a fresh mindset. And Annie, your background is as an ITU athlete. And so in that environment, you are often training with a squad. And now that you've made the shift to long course racing, how has your training environment changed? Um, yes, I mean, I'm still at the Olympic Training Center here in Saarbrücken, in Germany. That's where my base is. So I'm surrounded from all the short-distance athletes still. But um, yeah, it changed that I do my whole training on my own pretty much. And I don't think it's um, it's a worse thing because I think when you race ITU, you need this like trainings group to push each other to the limits. But now when I start the Ironman distance, I think it's good to be on your own and do your own pace. So I think it's an advantage to still surrounded by short course athletes, but doing most of the training on my own. And in trainings camp, I trained with Anja Beralek and Anja Knapp, so I had a little bit of training as well. So I mix it up pretty much. But most of the time, I do my training on my own, in my own zones. But now and then, I, I choose to train with some trainings partner, get a little bit speed in. And you, we mentioned your ITU background, and you raced in the Rio Olympics in 2016. And after that you actually decided to run a marathon. So I'm curious about what prompted that decision. And did you think that running a marathon would help your triathlon career? Um, to be honest, I was 
pretty pretty disappointed after the Olympic Games. I had the goals and it didn't run the way I, I planned it. So I was so frustrating and I actually I didn't know what to do. So I wanted to do something where no one have any expectations on myself. Even I have any expectations. So I thought, okay. What can I do? And then my my coach Dan said, "Oh, try to run a marathon just because you love running and you never did it before, so no one can hardly expect anything from you, and you shouldn't either." Because I didn't have time to prepare. Pretty much, we had I think six weeks, so I did one time a hundred k a week. So uh, it was like a fun race, and yeah, I got third at the German Champs, and I think okay, that was really great. And yeah, after that doing something completely different. I I set new goals and I really thought about what what want I do in the future. Do I want to go back to short course or do I want to have, like, do I need to have a fresh start? And I decided that I want to do something completely new and, yeah, switching to the long course. And I think and we need to add... Yeah, I do want to add in there for our listeners that you ran the Frankfurt Marathon in October 2016 on six weeks training and you ran a 236, which is very impressive marathon debut. So, um, yeah, congratulations. I'm glad I'm glad we got to see you kind of make that fresh start and get into the long course racing. And it sounds like it was a pretty pleasant experience for you. Do you think you would want to return to like distance running? And then I know Germany has some really beautiful trails. Have you do you run trails while you're at home training? Yeah, here in Saarbrücken, I mean, I'm surrounded by forests, so I run up and down all the time. I can hardly run any flat bit just at the Saar, the river. But I'm used to train um, in, in on yeah, like hilly courses. So I really like the running, but I mean, to be honest, I need to earn my money as well. And it's pretty hard to earn some money with running. But I mean, in future, I definitely want to race a marathon again, but... At the moment, it doesn't really fit into my plan. So I want to prepare for Hawaii. And it's, it's dif- different to run a marathon in an Ironman than to run an individual marathon event because you don't recover pretty much after a marathon. So it took me almost four weeks to recover from that because, yeah, it's just a completely different, like, I don't know, your muscles are so damaged. I, I, it's different from Ironman, so it doesn't fit in my training at the moment. But in future, I definitely plan to do that again. So German athletes are known for their success in triathlon, but it seems like most of the top German athletes have recently migrated away from draft legal IT racing to non-draft long course racing. So even when you look at the Olympics in London, Germany field a full squad of three men and three women. And in Rio, it was just you and Laura Lindemann. So meanwhile, we've seen a German Kona podium sweep on the men's side. We've seen Anya Baranek, Laura Phillip, and yourself on recent 70.3 Worlds podiums, uh, Daniela Somler's big win at Challenge Roth, and of course your own Kona podium appearance this year. So what is it about the long course racing that attracts so much German talent? I don't actually know because, I mean, maybe it suits the German character a bit better. We are very early, we are very strict and we do what's on the training plan and maybe it's better for the long course athletes, I don't know, because I think we do a very good job in short course as well but uh, yeah, the international athletes are just a bit stronger than we at the moment and I mean we had Jan Frodeno and and, and Daniel Unger and all these guys who were really strong or Anja um, Dittmar 
But yeah, I don't know why. But Laura Lindemann, I mean, I think she's one to watch in future. And yeah, and the long course athlete, I don't know. I mean, it's always if if someone is really good, all the others wants to follow. So maybe that's a reason why. I don't actually know. Maybe it's the love of carbs because I know my German friends have always been able, they have a knack for finding like the best bread, the best bakeries, like all of that stuff. So maybe, maybe it's the carbs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I definitely need carbs and I love my carbs. So maybe it's a reason. I don't know. <laughs> So aside from the obvious differences of how long the races are and the rules that go along with non-drafting racing and, and conditions and things like that, what's the biggest difference you've noticed between the Ironman World Championships in Kona and the Olympics? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Ironman and ITU is something completely different because, I mean, ITU is just the fast and furious race. You, you see where the best women and you go give everything to catch them and it's a fight athlete against athlete and in Ironman is completely different. You really have to pace yourself. Your energy can be empty. <laughs> That's something I really realized in Frankfurt that you don't have energy forever. So you should pace yourself really good. And yeah, of course the biking is so much different because in ITU racing, you need the very sharp um, fast bits. And in the meantime, you just follow the pack and now in Ironman, you have to really push watts on a very, very long distance. And that's something I'm, I'm still struggling a bit with that. And it needs training. So that's the most difference between the ITU and the long course stuff for me. And what about like career wise too? Like this just got me thinking, you know, do you find that one or the other has helped you more with sponsorship or even just gaining recognition within your triathlon community? I think if you want to get some attention in ITU, you have to be really, really good. So you need to podium at the world champs. Otherwise, you won't get recognized in Germany. Um, yeah, in on long course, it's a bit easier because, I mean, there are so many races and the depth of the field is not that strong. So you can easily, easily get away with the podium somewhere. And it gets real uh, recognized from outside, but I mean, I don't do it because I want to get real <laughs> recognized from the outside. I want to get the best out of me, and yeah, the the medals of course helped a lot. And um, yeah, the long course is always in the focus in Germany, so it's now easier for me to get some sponsorships because the long course is just more attractive, I would say, in in Germany, and it's a bit easier, yes. So what about similarities? Are there similarities between the Olympics and a race like Kona? Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere, I mean, the atmosphere at the Olympics is something really, really, really special. So you can't compare with anything else. But I think the atmosphere in Kona was something really special because, I mean, to see the finish line after an Ironman is something you're really, really looking forward after so, so many hours. And you never really know if you made the finish line. So at the Olympics, you don't know where you come in the, uh, when do you don't know at which place you see the finish line, but you, you, I mean, you predict that you will see the finish line. So it's not something that special. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something completely different and everything. I, I won't, don't want to miss any, anything, not. What about the tactics in the race? I mean, you've mentioned the tactics in the ITU racing and, and we've seen some, especially at this 
70.3 level, some, you know, races that can get pretty tactical. I think when we look back at 70.3 worlds this year in South Africa, it looked like pretty much everyone came out of the water right together, you know, just 90 seconds behind Lucy Charles. Do you think the tactics that you learned as an ITU athlete are helping you at the 70.3 and even Ironman distances? Definitely. I think the stronger the field, the more even the long course gets like an ITU race. So you need to make the first pack. You need to make uh, the first pack on the bike as well to have a chance to yeah produce a good running time. So when you race normal 70.3s, the depth of the field is just not there. So everyone is doing a little own race. But um, yeah, the better the race are, like the world champs at the 70.3 or even the world champs in Hawaii show that yeah the athletes are just so great and yeah, the depth is so, so close. Everyone is so close together that it's turned out like a, pretty much like an ITU race. So we were bunched in the first pack. No one really did a move, especially of, um, yeah, uh, Daniela Reef, who passed everyone. But uh, the field stayed together, and then it was pretty much a running race. And I think it goes in that direction because, yeah, everyone is just too strong. So the German stereotype is that you're all strong cyclists and we've heard from Laura Phillip and others that it's, it might be because German children all ride their bikes to school. And so you're from a very early age, you're like planting the seeds of being a strong cyclist. Was this true for you? And what about this new shift to Germans as super runners? Are there any German childhood practices that are creating so many fast runners? Like do you, maybe you're riding your bikes there and running home and then switching at the next day. <laughs> I don't know. I never really thought about that, but to be honest, my father is a sports teacher, so we always used uh, to to use the bike more than the car because my dad said, "No, no, no, you can go by by bike um, to your sports club or whatever." So I I was used to train on my bike, or that was my vehicle to come everywhere. So yeah, I learned it when I was three, <laughs> and yeah, with the running, I don't actually know because I don't have any running background. I played tennis when I was young, and then I tried pretty much every kind of sports. I played volleyball and basketball, and I did judo, synchronized swimming, everything. But I always yeah realized that I can run longer or faster than the others, but I never really forced it or anything. So when I did my first triathlon in the age of 19, I think, yeah, then I started my running career in triathlon, but I never had a running background. So it's just natural, I think. <laughs> Well, it is impressive. And I heard that you learned a lot of your swimming from YouTube videos. Is that true? That's true because, I mean, I, I was in swim club when I was five or four, but I was always sick after that. I was very allergic to the chlorine in the water. So my mama, my mom said, no, you're not allowed to go anymore. So I, I didn't swim until I was 19 when I decided that I wanted to do a, a triathlon. But I wasn't able to even swim 50 meter in a row. So I, yeah, I learned it via YouTube videos and it took me, I think, three or four months and, until I um, could continuously swim 1,500 meter in the pool. And then I decided to join in for the first um, triathlon. Yeah, it was really funny. And YouTube obviously helped. <laughs> well, your progression was obviously very good because this year at 70.3 Worlds, you were actually, I think, only a couple seconds behind these super swimmers from the ITU, like Pamela Oliveira from Brazil and Sarah True from the United States. So how did you, you know, how has your swimming improved through the years? Have you done specific things? Are there specific YouTube videos that you can share with us? 
<laughs> no, I have, I, I switch back to my very old um, university swim coach. So um, we started before Summerine in June. And yeah, I, I don't know why, but the swim programs, I really enjoy that. And it's more, yeah, long course specific. And yeah, we changed a little bit technique stuff. And yeah, I'm very happy with my swimming at the moment, to be honest. And not because I'm improving, because I have really fun. Normally, I was like more like a hate laugh I always had during ITU racing. But now I, I kind of enjoyed it. And I think that helps a lot to enjoy what you do. Do you have a favorite swim set that you go to that you can share with our listeners today? I mean, I always have to do the one hour test. I hate it, but I love it when it's over. So maybe that's this one because it really shows you how good you are. And it's really tough to get mentally through that. And But if you've done it, and that's a great feeling. So I would pick that. So you just do a timed one hour swim. Get as far as you can in one hour. Swim as hard as you can over one hour, yes. And What's, see. Your, what's your record? <laughs> I've never done anything like that. That's uh, I've done 30 minutes, but an hour is next level. So what is it? Can you can you share that with us? Yeah, but it's a bit cheeky because I did it in a 25 meter pool my best time, and it was a 51.50. So no one should be scared, but for me it's quite good. <laughs> Still impressive, I think, to get in there and swim 5,000 plus meters in one go with no stop. No, so in one hour I swimmed uh, 4,000. 300 that was my 3.8k time over the one hour test so um i swam i think 4390 meters or something over the one hour well we saw you come out of kona in much less than an hour so i think uh i think you could do better on these tests uh yeah i mean open water is always something different you have to follow the others and then you have the waves and then you swivel a bit extra corner so i mean it's just to have the um training done so open water and then racing is always something special (laughs) so you mentioned dubai 70.3 coming up in february but what are can you tell us a little bit about any of your additional plans for 2019 because I, I know of this big race in Germany called Challenge Roth, which I'm saying that incorrectly, I'm sure. But is there any chance we'll see you on that start line this summer? Um, I mean, maybe, but I have to do an Ironman to confirm my spot for Kona. So I don't want to do more than two Ironmans, to be honest. And then I have to do an Ironman, obviously. Um, but my whole season is like peak to um, like Kona. That's my main focus. And yeah, I let it a bit open what I actually do. It depends on the training. I want to um, squeeze in a few altitude training camp and see how that works. And I mean, it worked in ITU pretty well. So I want to introduce it to my Ironman training and see how that works as well. So, um, yeah, I don't have definite plans, but my main focus will be Hawaii and everything else will be surrounded and fitted in. Were you surprised? Were you surprised by your, your performance in Hawaii this year? I mean, I think you went in kind of under the radar, finished third, and then now you're, you know, Hawaii is a little bit more of a focus. I imagine Hawaii this year wasn't a focus. Like how does that change things? Yeah, that's true because, I mean, I don't really, I mean, I don't really have a feeling for Ironman yet because I just did two Ironmans, so including Kona. And so I didn't have any expectation because Frankfurt was like a, a really hard experience. So I said, okay, I just want to have a very, very 
very solid race. I want to stick to my plan. I don't want to do anything special. I just want to swim good, be in the pack, and then run a very, very controlled marathon to just run through because I was a bit panicked that I can't run through a whole marathon. I always have to stop in between. So um, that was my yeah learning experience. And I, I was absolutely surprised that it was strong enough for third place but it shows that pacing is obviously the main thing in Ironman um yeah and I hope I learn a little bit more about pacing strategies or how I wish I could get a feeling for the race because in ITU you have so many races that you know exactly how hard you can go to to finish the strongest you can do but in Ironman I don't know how hard I can really go until I blow up so, um, yeah, I think I just need to get a feeling for that. So, I, and you don't have many chances to test that. That's a problem, you know? Do you so have any, a bit, uh, do you have any like mental strategies that you use, you know, in Kona being your second Ironman and you have all of this, it sounds like doubts kind of lingering of did I, are you pacing it right? You know, is the nutrition going to work for the whole marathon? Is, am I going to feel strong for the whole time? And you're probably also getting the information that you're closing in on that podium spot and you made that pass pretty late in the day. So how did you mentally talk yourself through that last 10 K on, you know, the queen K running down for third place to stay strong and to make that happen? Yeah, to be honest, that was really, really tough because, I mean, I run 35 Ks exactly the same distance behind Sarah. And I thought I will never, ever catch her. But um, and all the, the athletes um, coming past me said, oh, look, you're coming closer. You're coming closer. And they look, I'm running 35 Ks exactly the same distance. I don't come closer. And everyone told me that. And, and yeah, I just that I, I need to stay at the moment and yeah do everything I can possibly do and get my hydration right, get my fuel stuff right. And I can't do anything more. And I just have to hope for the best. And marathon, I mean, I know the man with the hammer, we call it in Germany, is coming at 35Ks. And sadly for Sarah, the, was the man with the hammer was coming at 35Ks. So you can't hardly do anything. And my ITU can just go really hard, close the gap, and then you have enough energy. But in marathon, you can't just close a gap and hope that the energy will last. So you have to be very, very patient and just do everything what's in your hand, what you can control, do everything right and perfect, what's under your control and everything else isn't under your control. And you can't like, you can wish for the third place, but it doesn't come because you, you wish it. You have to do everything perfect to get the third spot. And yeah, I'm very, very happy with that. So you sound like a veteran more than a long distance rookie here when we're chatting about, um, about your race and your strategies. So that's, it's exciting. I think that's a very exciting thing for the future. And we like to ask people who have like yourself, who have been racing for a while and who've been all over the world training and racing. Do you have a favorite race? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't raced so many uh, long course races um, yet that I picked one special thing, but at IT racing, I always loved Hamburg because it was like home crowd racing for us. And there were so, so many people on the, on the, on the start line and around the areas at Hamburg, IT races in Hamburg and the world and team relay is one of my absolutely favorite races and will always be 
yeah, a very special race for me because I won it in 2013 in front of home crowd and it was something so special for me that it will always be my, my most favorite race. Well, Annie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And where can our listeners follow you on Instagram or Facebook? What's your preferred thing that they can follow you for the 2019 season? Oh, I mean, I'm in the Instagram and as well as in, in Facebook. So it's try Annie Hawk. So everyone who wants to follow is really invited. <laughs> Well, we'll be sure to link those to our show notes and hopefully get you cut you a couple new followers, but we're excited to follow your 2019 season. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you very much for having me. So Alyssa, I'm shocked that Annie learned to swim from YouTube and here she is like tearing it up on the race course. I'm really curious. Have you ever learned any skill from watching YouTube videos? I think I YouTube things all the time. Like when I need to figure out how, like, how do I open this jar that's stuck, you know, and I'll like go watch some YouTube videos of like tricks or something like that. Like, I feel like I'm constantly, it's like second to Google if I want more of a video tutorial and then, but swimming wise, I will say it was fairly recent when Hillary was watching me swim fly and was trying to explain something to me that I was doing wrong. And she sent me a YouTube video of Michael Phelps swimming fly to help me figure out how to swim fly. So, you know, nothing like just watching Michael Phelps swim it to really figure out what you're doing wrong. Right. At least you're learning from the best. I've definitely, when I coach athletes remotely, I've used YouTube videos to like explain a drill just because I'm not there to like show them. And so I think there's, you know, there's some good tips on there, so it must work, but I, I like that. I mean, next time I can't open a jar, I'm going to YouTube it. Another fun fact is there's YouTube videos of me out there. Haley, there's a, it's a three part video, um, trilogy, I guess we could say of the time that I tried to eat 12 Boston cream donuts in 45 minutes when I was at work. And that's it you on YouTube right now. Yeah. I think if you search like Alyssa versus donuts, it would pop up. There's like also another video of this little child eating donuts. And I think her name's Alyssa, <laughs> but then there are wait, wait. three video. You might have to do Alyssa versus donuts too, to like find the second one. And then from there you should be able to find the other ones. And there's one, two and three. And it just watches my progression as I failed at this miserably, but you shouldn't have told us oh, what happened. Spoiler. Sorry. Um, it's impossible. Say, it's like, an, it's an impossible look. feat. I like to think that nothing's impossible, but eating 12 Boston cream donuts in 45 minutes is, I will oh. bet anyone I'll, I'll bet you I'll send a smash water bottle to someone if they can eat 12 Boston creams in 45 minutes and I'll autograph it. That's like really cool. And it's impossible. Your body goes into sugar shock before you can do it. I'm convinced, but I ate, I think I ate eight in 10 minutes and then I couldn't do the last four. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. I want to know if anyone, um, takes up your challenge on that. Please. People, people send have tried your, and everyone fails. So good luck. Send people. us your videos and your questions to iron podcast at gmail.com. I want to see it. But, um, other than that, I think that wraps up our show. If anyone wants to leave us a rating or review in their podcast app of choice for the new year. We appreciate it. And am I leaving out anything else? I don't think so. Haley, happy 2019. Talk to you next week. Bye, Alyssa. This is a special song. It's me and my friend's song that we made ourselves. This song is called Here I Am. Get ready for the chorus.
I am here now you cannot take me. I will stand up this whole entire time. I am strong now you cannot beat me. I will stand up because I am here. The Iron Woman Podcast is a live feisty media production. Our hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chara, and our awesome editors, Aaron Hamilton. Also, we couldn't do this without our sponsors, Wahoo Fitness, FTC Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen. Yeah.